Saint Benedict says of the abbot that he has to lead his disciples by a twofold teaching, pointing out all that is good and holy more by example than by words. To receptive monks, proposing the commandments of the Lord in words, but to the stubborn and dull, demonstrating God's instructions by a living example. As practical as this may be, it is not merely pragmatic, but reflects St. Benedict's Christ-centered outlook. The The abbot is to emulate the teaching style of Jesus Christ, as this is always how Jesus taught. What Jesus says and what he does both express the same truth. The parables he tells about the kingdom are parables about himself, and his actions make the kingdom present for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. This being the case, we might wonder what the enactment looks like when Jesus fulfills the law rather than abolishing it, as he told us two weeks ago, or when he exhorted us last week to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Fortunately, today's Gospel gives us an example of Jesus' teaching by example. What we find is not an academic disagreement over esoteric points of doctrine, theoretical debates about how many angels can dance on the head of a pin, but rather a dramatic struggle with life-and-death consequences as the temptation in the Garden of Eden is restaged. Jesus' replies are not answers. They are embodiments of the law. Where Adam fell, Jesus fulfills. This fulfillment of the commandments has additional implications, which we discover when we do a bit of digging. Where do Jesus' replies come from? It is no coincidence that they are all drawn from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses' last address to the Israelites before they enter the Promised Land. It is an address whose major theme is the blessings that God promises to those who keep his commandments, as well as the curse that will fall on those who disobey. And what is lurking just beneath the surface, what each of Jesus' replies draws closer to, is the greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Jesus overthrows the devil's temptation by his fidelity to keeping the law. This is not only the keeping of obedience, but also the keeping that protects and treasures, like a goalkeeper in soccer or a keepsake from a friend. It is the keeping of the Blessed Mother, who kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. Jesus has the commandments of God upon his heart. When he walks, they lead him. When he lies down, they watch over him. When he rises, they speak with him. More than memorized texts, they are his constant companions, shaping his perception of the world. When the devil arrives to tempt the hungry Jesus, his first attempt is wildly off the mark as he appeals to fleshly appetite. Jesus is indeed hungry, but the food he desires is to do the will of the one who sent him and to accomplish his work, as he will tell his disciples in two weeks at Jacob's well. Paradoxically, the devil's failed temptations feed Jesus' hunger for obedience to the Father. What is the point for us? What should we learn from Jesus' example? 
Here at the beginning of our own 40 days of fasting, prayer, and almsgiving, we should consider the goal of our penitential exercises. We do not fast for its own sake. We do not fast to earn forgiveness by beating ourselves up. We fast because it hollows us out and empties us. With what will we choose to fill that void? Will we follow our Lord's example and fill it with prayer? Daily Mass, the Rosary, the Stations of the Cross, and reading, meditating on, and memorizing Scripture are all options. And all offer God the opportunity to fill our emptiness with knowledge of Him and strengthen us against temptation. In His rejection of the devil's temptations, Jesus undoes the fall of Adam and gives us hope. Will we imitate this generosity with almsgiving of our own? Giving to those in need, whether with material assistance or with forgiveness, fills that space with the generosity of God who makes his rain fall on the just and the unjust alike. And the final goal of our penance is not self-improvement or being better persons. The point is to become sensitive to Christ's presence so that we may recognize him when he comes and so that we may see with clear eyes the salvation that will burst forth from the tomb at the Easter Vigil and is made present for us in every Mass.